it's been in fact quite quite a while since we've we've sat down and, and thought you know what we're gonna we're gonna do this but but there's been a bit that's going on right like a pandemic's happened um, you've had a baby yeah little freddie named after your son of course um popped out of uh the missus and we are uh we're just keeping him alive and he's healthy and he's growing and uh all is well um and 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 you've been busy as well with with your own family trying yes. to get your your poor daughter back from uh the motherland. Oh, yes, exactly. Yeah, no. Thank goodness that's all sorted out. Eh? Sweet, sweet beard of Zeus. But, but nonetheless, uh, Major League Soccer is uh, postponed. I guess it's back, but postponed. But they got two games in, didn't they? And they did. Uh, yeah. And I think this this first episode, we'll try and knock these out once a week uh, to entertain those that care. Uh, few and far between, but nonetheless. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm intrigued. I think this first episode we talk about those first two games, uh, and we can kind of go from there. Uh, there is news in the in the in the soccer world, in the Major League Soccer world uh, today. They announced that they're extending what they're calling a a, a moratium, uh, essentially, where they're not allowing any players into training facilities, um, which is a shame. Uh, although that that's only until April third, which is only a couple weeks away. I saw you tweeted, Spenno, you, you think that's probably going to be pushed back even further, and I think you're probably right. I, I would have thought so. Yeah, I'd have thought so. I mean, it's – I mean, we're, we're just trying to get ahead of the curve, you know, that's the, the flattening of the curve of this this virus, and uh, I appreciate you getting the hair out of my face then. That was nice. That was a nice little touch. <laughs> no, I know that. <laughs> so you know, I expect um, it, it would probably be pushed back a little bit, and then obviously you think about it, Tom. They were just at the start of the season; they're probably going to have to have some kind of mini preseason again, because even though the guys can stay fit, they can eat right, they can run, it's different than kicking a ball around with twenty-two, twenty-five other guys right. um, and training week in, week out. So yeah, I would expect some kind of mini preseason, and then hopefully. Um, you know, we, we, we get to kick off and, and go into December to, to run the season up. If you look at the Premier League, the Premier League and all the European leagues are still hoping to finish this season by the end of June, um, which gives you, you know, if there's, uh, you know, 10 to a, a dozen games left, um, they're probably looking at a mid-May early May probably start time uh, Major League Soccer's got the luxury of, of maybe uh, uh, going a little bit later uh, starting a little bit later knowing they can go into December um, after recent uh, changes to the scheduling over the last couple of years in Major League Soccer that would make it finish in uh, in, in you know October for, for regular season and, and November for the playoffs Yeah no I, um, I think Major League Soccer's fortunate in that regard aren't they they they, their, their playoff schedule before 2019 uh, ran all the way into uh, into the new year, um, and they obviously altered that in 2019, shortened the playoffs up, and and the season got done far sooner. But if they wanted to, they could they could easily go back to what they had been doing for many years previously, and just uh, and just have the season run for a little longer, and the, and the preseason won't be quite. As long, which which would be a shame for I'm sure some of the players that enjoy going home. But at the same time, they're trying to make a bit of coin here and there, and and their their, their pastime is knocking the round ball around. So um, <laughs> so I don't think many people would be 
would be all that upset. I know fans certainly wouldn't, would they? No, no. I mean, as long as it's it happens, you know, I think it's an escape from uh, reality of of what's going on right now. You know, the, the worrying of employment, the worry of your family getting sick or older members or younger members getting sick, you know, just general welfare. Um, I think eventually when, you, when we get past all this, hopefully in the next couple of months, um, you know, it'll be a nice release um, that we can restart the season. Then you can start talking, thinking about other sports as well, Tom, you know, you your beloved uh, Utes, um, you know, obviously spring ball is is kind of not there, um, but there should be plenty of time to get fit and ready for the the fall season. Um, same with with basketball that swings around, you know, comes around. People that like major league uh, baseball, you know, obviously they can shorten that season, 180 games a season. What are you talking about? But you know, there's there's plenty that w- that we can all be doing. But uh, I I just felt like this was an opportunity. Um, for the leagues in Europe to go and and be kind of almost like the the same type of season as Major League Soccer. Because the 2022 World Cup in in Qatar is, or Qatar as you Americans say it, well, you're not American, you're Australian, um, but I will say Qatar, um, is going to be in a winter World Cup because it's so hot in the summer. um, So they're moving it towards the winter. I thought it just felt like the European leagues could have moved and had their season switched up a little bit um, and been maybe a little bit more on the um, the uh, MLS schedule uh, just to, to build up for, for the nations. But uh, it doesn't look like it's going to be. The Olympics postponed. The European Championships uh, have been postponed until next year as well, next summer. So, uh, you know, as long as we get our sports in, it's our, it's our passion and it's what we love the most. And, and as long as everybody's fit and healthy and, People can come to games because obviously the games without fans is absolutely nothing. Um, you know, we'll, we'll take those wins as they come along. Sure, I um, I, I agree. It's daunting to say the least, but uh, at the same time, I guess we we got to do what we have to do, and that is to uh, flatten that curve. Now, um, Real Salt Lake under the new head coach um, Freddie Juarez, right? We're able to get two games in, and um, yeah. But two very, I thought, different games, to be mm-hmm. to be frank. Um, and I think we we should probably dive into that because there's a there's a lot mm-hmm. to talk about. Um, and there's there's a lot that happened in those two games that I think will uh, will play a role as the season continues, if it does, in in 2020. Um, but two different lineups for both games, two two somewhat different styles of play. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, uh, maybe we start with with Justin Glad against Orlando Spenno. He, mm-hmm. he was playing right back, which yeah. which I thought was was a surprise to most fans. Now, now if you if you paid attention to the practice matches that take place during the preseason, specifically those that Real Salt Lake took part in down in Arizona, mm-hmm. uh, Justin Glad did see time at right back and. Uh, and and there was conversation that took place between some very uh, very strong fans as to whether or not that that would actually happen in 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 the real in the regular season. It did. It happened in the opening game, uh, and then yeah. he didn't see the field in the second in the second game for for a number of reasons. I think mainly because he was scheduled to go play uh, some Olympic qualifiers with uh, with the under twenty three and. Uh, they were just giving him some time to rest. I think maybe he, if I if I remember correctly, he had he had a minor strain uh, to his foot or something. They mentioned, but I could be wrong. 
Um, I can't remember speak... that, but you might be wrong. You might be right. I can't remember. It's, Regardless. it's been like a month away now, you know, so I can't remember. I know, but the the future of Glad. Do you think? Do you think he is right back, or would you no. prefer him seeing it? Yeah, no, I agree. Thank you. For no, I that. think I think he's your third choice right back when, you know, um, uh, Aaron is is injured, um, or obviously the other right back that we brought in, um, whose name is going to completely uh, uh, escape me right now, uh, but plays for Trinidad and Tobago. But so you know, oh, we, we already right. have those. Two, we already have those two um, fullbacks. Um, that that we'll have um, to to for the squad, and as I said, unless there's some deep you know injury issues that we have, you won't see Justin there very often. But it is something that he did. He, he did play there um, in his college days. Uh, you know, from from time to time, it wasn't something that was uh, was was a a uh, something that he did uh, a ton. Uh, but it's something that he can do. You know, similarly to, to what uh, Brooks Lennon did for Real Salt Lake, uh, tried to develop. Alvin Jones, sorry, is the other one. Yes, uh, is the actual backup. Sorry. Um, and so, no, I don't think that's that's something you'll see. Again, you won't see Aaron Herrera play on the wing. Again, he did that uh, a little bit for New Mexico, uh, the Lobos, um, in college uh, from time to time. But I don't think you'll see him on the wing that often unless we go into those deep, deep injury uh, problems, which we did have in the first game. You're thinking about Justin Miram was catching up, playing uh, playing catch up, I should say. Uh, Jason Ramirez wasn't uh, with the squad yet. He just got um, his visa uh, clearance. Obviously, Corey Baird was coming off the back of an injury. Um, so, you know, there was a little bit thin on the ground for, for wide players. So, yeah, very kind of knew what this team was going to be. I thought it was a gutty performance over in Orlando an Orlando team that I expect to probably be a little bit better than they have over in seasons past. Um, but, you know, a, a gritty performance and, and a, a performance they grew into in the second half. Um, I thought they were full value for that point. Uh, they did have to ride uh, their luck at times, but the second half there was much improvement. And as I said, you pick up a point on the road in Major League Soccer, I think it is one of the most difficult leagues to pick up results in just because you you factor in the amount of travelling, the limitations with the squad um, that, that you have to deal with at times, and plus the injuries and, and not uh, wanting to risk players um, that weren't fully fit. Um, you know, and losing them for longer. You saw Giuseppe Rossi get injured after that. That's why he missed the next game. Um, he's been out of the game for 18 months, got some minutes under his belt, but then had that calf strain, um, that, oh, sorry, hamstring injury. Wasn't a huge thing, but you expect these things to happen for somebody that hasn't been played or hasn't played in a year and a half. Um, that, that you're going to get those niggles as he, as he builds up his his fitness. So it was a shame that we didn't see him in the next game. But uh, with this coronavirus, I guess if we're looking at plus points, um, it allows him to keep working out and getting stronger and stronger, um, even if he is by himself. Right. Is it going back to this this centre back conversation quickly? Is it yeah. fair to assume that? Look, Nader Monoha is probably the number one centre back on the roster. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't think really too many people out there probably. Would, would say otherwise. But then you've got this interesting dynamic between Marcelo Silva and Justin Glad. Now, a year ago under Petke, and even towards the end of the season when Freddie took over as interim, you saw Justin Glad um, and, and Ono Oha be kind of the main duo back there. But, mm-hmm. but this season, Marcelo Silva and Nadam have been playing 
uh, with alongside one another. Do you, do you think it's just uh, something that that Freddie's tinkering with? Do you think maybe it's it's going to be on rotation? Keep those boys, keep those legs fresh. Obviously, Marcelo and and, and Nadam are obviously older in age, and so they probably are due for a spell here and there throughout the course of the season. I'm still, uh, before before you speak, I, I'm still under the impression that, that Ono O'Hara and Justin Glad's the best partnership for Real Salt Lake moving forward. Um, but Freddie uh, alluded to maybe something else. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I think that Justin Glad long-term is is your number one centre-back uh, when it's all said and done. Um, I think Ned uh, will... Uh, and I believe will after this season uh, look to to move back home, uh, move move back to England, and and that may be an opportunity there for somebody else to step up. Obviously, you've got Eric Holt, but you know from from what we've seen, I thought the the centre back partnership um, against Orlando and against New York Red Bulls was actually very very solid. Um, and you probably need that. Um, obviously, the first game there was no Everton Louise, um, so you probably needed a little bit more experience there. Um, obviously, he was finishing off his suspension from the playoffs against Seattle. That red card he got there against Seattle last season. Um, so it, it definitely made sense to have Justin Glad, a more mobile player, playing out wide, where you don't have the players, you know, uh, available for you. Um, and then uh, Marcelo and Nadam in the middle. Uh, and then this, you know, I thought they played so well against Orlando. They were they, they were so disciplined. They deserved to keep their place. But I think when you don't play Justin in the middle you lose some of that recovery speed, which if you're playing a little bit of a higher line, especially with our fullbacks, when Dolly Toya and, and Aaron Herrera that push on a lot, um, it, you leave yourselves a little bit more exposed with, and I won't say lack of pace because their positioning in Nader Monawuha and Marcelo Silva is very good, but you you allow yourself a step or two, a foot or two further up when you play a Justin Glad, but just because of his recovery speed. And I think that's where long-term, um, you know, you'll see RSL finally and eventually revert back to uh, Justin Glad playing with or Marcelo Silva or Nader Monawuha. Right. I, I thought it was also interesting for the second game that, that Freddie decided it was, it was time uh, to give, uh, to give bees the nod over Justin. I, um, and, and look what, what, what Beasley did in that second game and, and, and the poor performance he put out there, that it's mm-hmm. that's kind of as bad as it's gonna get for Bees. Um I think he's a talented player. Um I, I just I just personally prefer uh, what I see from Justin Portier. I think he offers more. Um he's not that big body defender, is he? But you've got that with Everton Louise when Everton comes back. So you don't need somebody that can go in there and make mm-hmm. the big challenge. You can have somebody like Portillo who's a little more skillful with his feet. And can offer more with the ball, um, ball at his, at his disposal. So um, it'll be interesting, I think, moving forward to see what Freddie does. Uh, of course, mm-hmm. Beckerman as well. I mean, like Kyle's come back. Um, what what sort of role is he going to play moving forward? Is he is he going to jump right back into the starting spot? Um, that that's such a fascinating conversation because if I'm being quite blunt, I don't think he's good enough at this point in his career to be the starting centre mid alongside Everton Louise. Um, but at the same time, he's a fan favourite, and uh, Freddie Juarez is a brand spanking new coach, and he wants to do the right things. He wants to he wants to please the fans. He wants to please the front office. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 Deloy Hansen, the owner, um, it seems anyway, is is influenced by uh, kind of how the fans 
react to certain decisions. So, um, so who who knows what to expect when it comes to the centre of the park? I think much like the centre back position, however, uh, there is one player that that you can expect to see week in and week out, barring any unforeseen circumstances, and that's Everton Louise, who's mm-hmm. a really really talented player, both on the offensive side and defensive side. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think we'll see Kyle play quite a lot uh, this season. Uh, whether he, that's that's the right thing to do uh, is another conversation. Um, if you're looking to to set up more defensively, then sure. Uh, I think so at home, though. I think I would prefer to see Everton Louise and Dimit Krylak in that central midfield pairing. You saw that in the second game against New York Red Bulls when Demir started up top, but when Douglas Martinez came on for uh, Nick Beasler, um, in the oh, I couldn't tell you what was it, the 59th minute, yeah, 60, yeah, 59th minute. You saw Demir drop back into the midfield alongside uh, Everton Luis, and then Douglas Martinez was that point man, a little bit more speed. And we looked, we looked really, really good, you know. I, I think that, uh, obviously, he had his goal chalked off, he just, uh, you know, caught the ball on his hand after that header. But if there was any questions, if Douglas Martinez could make an impact in Major League Soccer, because we saw it in the USL, if he could actually make an impact in Major League Soccer, I think that was put to bed. I think uh, the delivery from out wide was, was superb. You think about Jason Ramirez getting uh, into the swing of things, Justin Miram getting uh, you know more acclimatized to, to the squad. Albert Rusnak was absolutely phenomenal. My, my man of the match, by the way. I thought his delivery from set pieces was was absolutely inch perfect all game long. And then you think about Corey Baird on the right-hand side. Um, you know, I, I just think that there was a lots of lots and lots of positives and RSL didn't get the, what they deserved. And that was all three points. Um, so, you know, I, I think there is so much to, to come from this. And then you obviously think about Giuseppe Rossi. You think about Sam Johnson, uh, who's working his way back uh, from injury. Then you've got three strikers in Douglas Martinez, Giuseppe Rossi, and Sam Johnson that could be your point man. And, and Demi Krylak, obviously a lot more at home, playing in that central midfield role, obviously popping up, getting into the box late and scoring that injury time equaliser uh, to get us a, a deserved point at Rio Tinto Stadium. I, um, I, I'm, I've got... An interesting take that I'm curious to hear your response to. Uh, you mentioned Albert Rusnak is delivery from free kicks, and and I agree. I think the the delivery into the box was immense. I thought it was it was superb. Um, he's able to generate a decent amount of spin on the ball, uh, but it's not lofted. It, it it's kind of shot in there, pretty flat, which is awfully difficult to defend at times, especially when there's movement on the ball. Mm-hmm. I, I I do think when it comes to taking a shot from a free kick, free kick rather. I think he is probably not the best man for the job, and he's going to hate me for saying that. But <laughs> I, I, I think, think from a delivery standpoint, he's really good. But when mm-hmm. it comes to trying to, you know, trying to hit top bins, as Jimmy Bulldog Bullard would would refer to it, the Bulldog. I, don't, I don't know if he's up. I don't know if he's the man for the job, Spenno. I think you'll find when Giuseppe Rossi is fit and on the pitch at the same time you'll see Giuseppe Rossi take over those duties. Uh, I don't know if you've seen, but been able to watch any of the, the preseason, but some of the things that he was doing, the ball from, from uh, 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 set-piece delivery, uh, striking on goal. Uh, I think technical ability, he he dwarfs anybody in this squad. Albert Rusnak was our technical guy. 
Right. He was the one that replaced Javier Morales. He's absolutely got technical ability through the uh, through the roof, so to speak. But when you watch um, Giuseppe Rossi, it's it's another level or two. Uh, well, it's, yeah, it's fantastic. So yeah, I think you'll see. I think you'll see a couple of tweaks here and there when Giuseppe Rossi is on the field at the same time as Albert Rusnak when it comes to those those uh, dead uh, dead ball delivery uh, opportunities. Uh, and then one of the last topics i want to get to i can i can hear my uh, my screaming uh four week old baby uh and and the missus is at the shops um yeah so this has gone just as according to plan as as it should um i can let him scream for a bit longer yeah, that's good for him healthy for him know that dad cares now um demir <laughs> crylax Fenno. yes uh and and I, i've felt this way for quite some time i think a lot of the the rsl fan base is, is starting to pick up on it but um, I, I do not think his role as a number nine uh, is is good enough for Major League Soccer. Um, there are a couple reasons behind that, that that I'm more than happy to share with people. I think when he plays number nine, he offers a lot in the air. You know, his heading ability is really, really good. Uh, but but he, dr- he drops into the midfield too often. Uh, so when Real Salt Lake have the ball and have possession... He almost, you know, subconsciously just just drops back into where his his preferred position is, and that's somewhere around the centre of the park, whether it's centre mid or centre attacking mid. It's 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 in those areas, and then what happens is because RSL use those flanks a lot, right? They 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 work tirelessly, Corey Baird and the like, to get open, beat a defender, uh, and then whip balls in to to hopefully a a Demir Krylak. More often than not, I've found that he's just nowhere to be fa- he's nowhere to be seen, you know, because he's he's dropped so far back. He doesn't quite give himself enough time to get into the box and be dangerous. And if he does, he doesn't get himself into a dangerous position because he's uh, he's kind of rushed with his thinking. So uh, I I personally would love to see moving forward Demir Krylak not play as the number nine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what Douglas Martinez showed in the short 20-odd minutes he played against the New York Red Bulls, he's more than capable to to to, to offer something up there. Um, the team, Spenno, I thought just looked really calm when mm-hmm. Douglas made his appearance. Uh, something changed. It's almost like they had some composure all of a sudden, um, and they were really, really dangerous. Not that they weren't dangerous previously to, to his uh, arrival on the pitch, but... But but when he joined, I mean, it was just there was a there was a different mojo that team had, um, mm-hmm. and so I would love going forward if if Freddie ever listens to this or watches for uh, for 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 poor Demir to not be put out of position and out of sorts and play a role. Quite frankly, he's just not all that familiar with. Yeah, no, I think you I think you agree, and I think that's that's Freddie's long term plan is is not to have Damir there. Um, you know, the 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 thing is is that sometimes you. Um, have to defend from the front, and he'll do that for you. Obviously, hold the ball up. Um, people can can uh, play off his knockdowns in Corey Bed and Justin Miram and Albert Rusnak. Um, but when you're babysitting a little bit in the middle of the park, certain players in the middle of the park, um, you need that defensive uh, player at the front. Um, and, and that's not I don't. It's not a long term uh, thing that you want for Real Salt Lake. You want Demir Krylak uh, able to break into the box late from central midfield, which he's comfortable doing. Uh, you've got a man in Everton Louise that is more than comfortable uh, of orchestrating and moving people around and defending the, the back four. Um, and then, obviously, you have players that with a little bit of pace um, in Douglas Martinez, in Sam Johnson, 
that will scare centre backs. You know, they will drop a little bit deeper. Uh, they won't engage as much as they will with with Demir Krylak because they know they're not going to get turned, so to speak, for pace and, and beaten for pace. Uh, it's quite similar. So I think it, we, we had a different dimension uh, to our play when you have a Sam Johnson, when you have a Douglas Martinez, and even to an extent, depending on on how fit he is and and how how um, healthy he can be, Giuseppe Rossi. Uh, he's not a burner uh, as as such, but he'll drop deep, uh, but still lead the line for you. Um, and obviously he can he can beat people. Uh, that's that's no issue there. When you have Demir Krylak playing alongside a an Albert Rusnak and an Everton Louise, then you see those trademark runs. He'll run ninety minutes for you um, all all match long. That's not an issue. And obviously, as you saw, the goal in the ninety first ninety second minute was him coming from central midfield late on, coming from a deep position and getting on the end of Aaron Herrera's wonderful delivery from the right flank. Um, and, and that is what his strengths are. He is an absolute nightmare to pick up because he just floats in. Uh, and I think we're missing a trick there, uh, playing him up top, as you said, Tom. If we continue to do that, then we're, we're, we're not seeing the best of Demir. Um, and offensively, we need to get better. Um, we, we, we have a great back line defensively last season after, after the Gold Cup. Absolutely superb, like the best defence in Major League Soccer. But we still don't score enough goals. And that's what is always going to be our undoing. Uh, and when you, you're stopping a player that I, I, I won't put him in the same bracket, but the same kind of player as a Frank Lampard coming from deep and scoring goals uh, and coming up with vital goals, particularly with the, the, the firepower we have. Uh, again, I just think we're missing a trick there when, when you're babysitting other players. Yeah, no, I, um, I like where your head's at. I, I will say as well, um, you know what we saw against the Red Bulls was was really quite promising. Um, you just you know you, you kind of go back recap some of the numbers. I mean, twenty one shots for crying out loud. Red Bulls just with four. Um, although the, the I guess daunting stat would be shots on target. Real Salt Lake just managed to to put five on target. So your efficiency when you end up striking the football probably needs to be a bit higher going forward. Although just the second second week of the season, so uh, we'll let them off the hang. Off the hook there. Uh, total passes, 466 passes to 279. That's 63% possession and an absolute mm-hmm. domination in the center of the park. Uh, they controlled the entire game. They obviously gave up an early goal, which which is always challenging. But, but you know what I was most impressed with uh, was the fact that uh, they were able to pinch that goal back. And albeit really, really late in the game, they should have had four or five uh, goals prior to, to the one going in. But w- what I used to get really frustrated with watching Real Salt Lake at Rio Tinto Stadium in particular was when they'd give up an early goal, teams would just play everybody behind the ball and, and say, if you're going if you, if, if to score, it's going to take a lot. And Real Salt Lake, more often than not, were unable to do so. And it was incredibly frustrating uh, for the fans, uh, I'm sure more so even, even for the players, front office and coaches, to, to not be able to get something out of a game that you felt as though you were probably deserving. Whereas against the Red Bulls, they just persevered, persevered. Per- you know, they didn't take their their foot off the gas at all. They, they, they constantly were trying to move forward and they end up getting rewarded because of it. Um, I also thought the ball movement was much better than we'd seen um, at Rio Tinto Stadium when they'd gone down a goal early in the past. I, I feel as though they kind of got lost once 
teams started putting a lot of players behind the ball. They didn't quite have any avenues. They didn't know how to get themselves out of their own trouble. Um, but against the Red Bulls, they were generating lots of chances. And and they didn't put too many on target, unfortunately. But they did when it counted. And that was late in the game to pinch a point. So that was really promising. I think for RSL fans, as they kind of contemplate and, and, and think about the future, uh, that's got to be something that, that they look to. Um, and kind of hang their hat high on and, and get really excited about going back to the re- back to the riots in the future, right? Absolutely. I think that uh, there's a, a patience around this team. There was no panicking, um, and they stuck to the task. You know, they were very, very patient. Um, they were quick, but they've, they've got a clear philosophy. Uh, Freddie likes a lot of ball movement. Um, he likes to let the ball do the work. And, and, and we knew York, New York would, would, um, would sit back. That's, that's their philosophy. They, they are a counter-attacking team. And they did effectively in the early uh, first half with their goal. You know, they, they kind of stretched RSL with a long ball and, and won that ball over the top and, and put RSL on their heels. Um, but they grew, RSL grew into the game. They continued to work um, on their philosophy, moved the ball around, and you saw glimpses of this team. Now, this is a long-term project. You have to remember that. You know, Justin Miram dead on his feet when he came off the pitch, you know. Needs to get fitter. Um, there's there's certain things that that uh, that RSL need to do to, to get these guys into shape. As I said, this coronavirus, whilst awful, is getting people healthier. Um, hopefully, without this virus, I should say the team. Um, and then when we go through this, I'm sure mini preseason, um, that people will be on the, uh, a similar page. And hopefully, when they when the season kicks off again, uh, ASAP. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see a different type of team, but you saw glimpses. You saw glimpses of Justin Miram and Albert Rusnax um, uh, almost uh, reading each other's minds on, on certain things. You saw an exciting cameo from Jason Ramirez. Uh, obviously, Douglas Martinez we've already spoken about, but Corey Baird went, went uh, and, and put in a very, very good, solid performance, I felt, as well, on the right-hand side. If those are big shoes to fill. Uh, in Jefferson Savarino leaving, wanting to to go to Brazil and further his career, absolutely fine with that. But um, it was big shoes to fill. You know, he's he's not really had a home. You know, his rookie season, he was the number nine because RSL was still struggling to find a number nine or attract a number nine uh, on the uh, you know the second half of last season. He was on the left wing, you know, beating out both Salcedo and Joao Plata uh, and getting some great assists uh, in that uh, towards the season end. Um, now he's the man, supposedly maybe, that, that's going to fill Jefferson Savarino's roles. He's got the number 10 uh, number on his back now. Uh, he's got a big contract. Um, and he's definitely, like Justin Glad, um, one of those players that you feel will be here, for, and Aaron Herrera, obviously, will be here for a very long time um, and be that uh, that graduate, that academy graduate that uh, you, you can see here that will be, win the hearts over of all the fans, be the, you know, a, a player that will be in the realm of the Javier Morales's, the, uh, the Kyle Beckman's, the Nick Romandos, you know, legends of this club that played a long, long, long time for this, uh, for this, uh, for the Claret and Cobalt. Um, Spenner, it's been real, man. It's been 30 minutes and it just flies by. It's like the good old days. The band's back together. We're talking about the round ball. All is peachy. Um, trying to make pizza dough for dinner tonight. Just before we get out of here, the missus just got back to me. Said uh, there's no yeast at uh, activated yeast at the supermarket. So 
for oh. all you peasants out there hoarding yeast, Spano, I hope you're not one of them. Otherwise, I'll come knocking on your door. All, all I want to do is roll a bit of pizza dough, and uh, and I can't because, um, you know, Swines. you bought this. You bought yeast that you're probably not ever going to use anyway. It's just going to get expired in 20 years. Exactly. Yeah, it's going to go off. Yeast takes a while to go off, by the way. Does it really? Well, I I wouldn't know. I'm just assuming. I don't don't cook. Hey, so whilst you're cooking tonight, you and Kate and and little Freddie, get some Tears for Fears on, Songs from the Big Chair. Oh, it's a classic. It's a classic album. Oh, if you... All right. I'm going to send it to you. Songs from the Big Chair. Right, right. I'll put that. Send that. Send me a text, and I'll have. I'll have a yeah. crack. But um, we'll try and do this once a week, and um, hopefully get and, into the studio at some point. Yeah, that'd be nice. And then, obviously, look. I think now's a good time, Spino, to try and get some of the boys on the podcast that don't have much going on. Um, Matty Gash. Gash hopefully makes an appearance. Elliot Four, our beloved friend, um, the new GM, obviously. Uh, it'd be great to get him on and, and and have a word to him. I think, by the way, uh, and we don't need to get into it, maybe we can save this for next week, but um, quickly, I reckon he's done a remarkable job taking over the reins from Craig Weibel in just sh- such a short amount of time. He's been able to really continue building a young roster that uh, that, that if they can figure it out on the field, um, could be really, really dangerous towards season end so tip my uh, tip my cap off that i'm not wearing to to mr fall and um but it'd be great to have him on it'd be great i know he, he might listen to this you know we're good friends aren't we so Maybe. um his mum and dad are lovely by the way mum and dad mum and dad are great yeah no ken ken i work with ken he's a great fella but um yeah. anywho until next week spenno it's been uh, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure and uh, it's just, you know, good to see your face again. I'm glad the beard's still hanging in there. Yeah, you need well, to dye good. it, though. There's a bit of grey no, coming through. No, no, no. I've got to cover the chins up, and I'm proud of the grey. So uh, we'll leave it at that. Arrivederci. I don't know if I'm oh, going to wow.